everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about magic cuffs, trying really hard to pretend like you're actually still, but you could still see you moving a little bit, and the thing that made me so nostalgic for the first round of Once Upon a Timing, the Underworld Gun. Underworld Gun. The Underworld Gun! I mean, there are there have been a few moments in this rewatch as we've kind of re gotten back to where we started, where I've had like an aha moment of, I remember when, I remember the underworld gun, and it made me so happy because it's it's the most ridiculous thing I think in the entire world. I it, and I don't remember if I brought this up last time, but it definitely brings up that vibe from. One of those movies that I rewatched a bunch, you know, because I'm an elder millennial and I was at the prime age for the movie Armageddon. Mm. Watched it so many times. My husband and I still randomly quote it. Um, and one of my favorite lines, which got invoked by Underworld Gun, was, what are you doing with a gun in space? What are you doing with a gun in the underworld? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, what? what is the point of an underworld gun? And how... Like, it's not going to hurt dead people, but it hurts living people. How often are living people in the underworld in which this gun is a necessity or <laughs> exists? Does the gun have unfinished business? Because I, as an American, am troubled. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ever want to answer that question. No let's, no, let's let that fade out into the ether. Yes. But in the meantime... I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I'm 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 great. I'm amazing. I am recording these episodes is the one thing holding me on to sanity, which is <laughs> a wild statement. Uh, <laughs> so I'm good, and I'm very excited to talk about this episode that made me cry, and then almost instantaneously had me cackling at the ridiculousness of the situation. Like, here's a very tender-hearted moment between a mother and her sis- and her daughters. And now she gets to move on and it's so ridiculous, I burst into laughter. <laughs> I just oh. I that whole scene, I was fully anticipating Hades to just show up and push her. Oh my god, that would have been so funny. I, like I, I, I had that memory and speaking of having that memory, uh I was right. We did have a switcheroo, but it didn't oh. last as long, and it was way more sus. <laughs> I I thought about that, too. I was like, wow, Beth is going to be so disappointed that this was not some episode-long switcheroo, but in fact, all of 15 seconds. And Emma's superpower didn't work at all. No, it didn't even exist. No. Well, everybody, we are talking about season five, episode 19, sisters, and also brothers, and also boyfriends and girlfriends, and also fathers and sons, and mothers and daughters. Yeah. And and a fun little tidbit, according to the wiki, this episode contains the most villains in the whole series. This had the highest concentration of villains? Highest concentration of villains. In an episode where arguably no one is really that bad? It had the highest concentration of villains. Yeah. We had three 
villains just as a set constantly cruising around. Yeah. That seems. And then just Rumple. But this one had had okay. Regina, who technically is a villain. Well, that's fair. Okay. Okay. If we're doing technicality on where they started, then yeah. I, okay. Rump, um, Rumple. Hook. Cora. Hook. James. Zelina. Uh-huh. Peter Pan. And Cruella. Did we name Hades? We named Hades. We didn't name Hades, but also we d- did get Hades. Also, the gun. <laughs> also, the gun. The gun. The most evil of evils. Anyway, everybody, this episode was directed by Romeo Tyrone. It was written by Brigitte Hales and David Goodman. And it is the, I guess, the conclusion to the tumultuous relationship between Regina and Zelina. Because lo and behold, they have a magical memory that fixes all their interpersonal problems. Which is great. Also, But I didn't hate it. So I'll, I'll make that clear up front. I didn't hate that. I didn't hate it, but I, you know, a MacGuffin memory is a is a is an interesting poll. Yes, a MacGuffin memory from a spring in the underworld that also has an offshoot in the enchanted forest. Why is the underworld leaking into the regular world? Like, right? How how are people like? Is this tuck everlasting? Like, do we just have random springs giving out random gifts and curses to the masses? First of all, tuck everlasting as a book. I read like maybe way too young and it blew my mind. Um, it, I don't know. It, it was just one of those books that I just, I read at the perfect time, I think. Uh, but also, do you think the river of souls is leaking anywhere? <laughs> like somewhere in Pittsburgh, someone's like, Hey, what's this is a hot spring. <laughs> it's like Dante's peak, but souls version. <laughs> exactly. Oh goodness. Goodness. <laughs> Well, everybody, we are going to uh, go ahead and talk about the brothers uh, who are doing it for themselves in this episode. The switcheroo that we get, the masterful disguise that Prince James puts on to pretend to be David, who's getting groceries, (laughs) underworld groceries. Okay, so before we start, can I just ask a question? As we were talking about this, as we were talking, I don't know if I I didn't realize it last week, but... When we scratched off Snow White's name, or Mary Margaret's name, or whoever's name was written on there, and we rewrote Dave, couldn't we just scratch it off? Did we have to replace the name? It was a one-to-one, I think. Like, that was the rule. It was a one-to-one. That said, apparently, that was a step over the line, because now Hades has put all their names on Oh, yeah, I love that throwaway line. Okay, now they're all on there. It's like, okay... Why didn't you do that in the first place? Yeah, well, okay, so he'll just, like, redo it for someone else. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. yes. So, yeah, they sent Dave. David's out for groceries. Um, and I like how eco-conscious the underworld is. Big paper bag. Not a plastic bag. So this, um, this whole moment um, impacted me more than I expected. Um... Cause why does the ba- why does the underworld need baby wipes? Uh, baby wipes that were thrown out um, by a mother who has too much. Like she was she was given too much and she doesn't want to donate them, so she just threw them in the trash. So these are underworld baby wipes <laughs> that have unfinished business. They have they did not wipe any butts. So 
they will so, now move to butt wipe heaven after they have. <laughs> so it's like Robin like using a wipe and then it just like vanishes in his hand in like a glowing light every single time. He's like, what the hell? Just oh. like, hey, wouldn't that be a great way to get rid of all of our trash every time we use something to its designed purpose? It's, oh. <laughs> it, goes, it goes off to butt wipe heaven. But that also means that there are underworld diapers, unfinished business diapers that are also doing that same thing like he's just like throwing them to the side and then looking around being like where did they go but there's just like a beam of light and a wisp or they're going to hell you don't know maybe they're evil but if there's no babies for the most part except for this one baby who happened to end up in the underworld do the do the baby wipes and diapers forever have unfinished business or are we implying that there are babies much like children with unfinished business in the underworld. I think it's probably closer to uh, Mia's unfinished business. You have impossible unfinished business, so you just get a permanent forwarding address to the underworld. What, the babies or the wipes? The wipes. Okay, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, I already, again, as somebody who was who was raised tangentially to the Catholic Church, I already have a problem with the unbaptized babies and limbo problem. <laughs> like, it, it, they didn't have anything to do with this. I don't think we should be punishing them. Uh, but the same thing, yes. I don't think babies should be having unfinished business. But I do think that the wipes are probably there. Again, because of the existence of the underworld gun, there must be some sort of tourist situation in which alive people can come no one seems that great like freaked out that alive people are in the underworld i've wondered that myself and and i feel like if the show had a budget there would be a way to differentiate visually between the living and the dead like right now they all just look the same yeah which is why james is able to uh, fight David, knock him unconscious, and steal his identity. And, and he's so, like, his his disguise is just flawless. He comes in with his, his I'm totally not evil with my twirly mustache. Emma, you don't suspect a thing. <laughs> he just, like, opens the door. Emma! It's like, hello. I mean, I will for give... Five minutes. I will give props to um, to Josh Dallas because he did give these two di- distinct personalities and he, they played interestingly off each other in a very short amount of time. Because these two characters have not had, they, they only had very minimal interaction and it's been a long time. So, he, you know, he doesn't play the James role often. And I think that he set a good dynamic really quickly. Uh, should it have ended with James being tormented forever in the River Lost Souls and deserving it because he wasn't ever going to finish his unfinished business? No, that's bull honky. I don't like that. Again, another person who doesn't know what his unfinished business is, so he makes something up because there's no way that your unfinished business is killing a person. Unless like you're a gun. <laughs> at least I, yeah, unless you're a gun. Uh, James would fire and he would just stay there and then the gun would disappear in his hand and float into the sky he's like damn it I missed yes but the bullet fired I'm happy (laughs) (laughs) that's all I wanted it's all I've ever needed and dreamed of (laughs) 
so yeah, so so James comes in disguised as uh, as disguised as David. He forgets that he mixed things a birthday anniversary thing. He covers for it pretty well, and they head out to go deliver the goods to Robin Hood and the baby in the woods. And David and James is like, "How are we gonna find him in the woods?" And then Robin just pops out with the baby carrier. Hello, I'm Robin Hood. What are you talking about? This is I this is like what his- I do. I do like his, like, Kramer-like entrance. Be like, what, are we going to find him in the middle of the words? And he just shows up with his very, like, with the, I'm, first of all, um, there, do you know this? Did you ever know this? The, the proper way to carry a baby carrier like that? You're supposed to, like, hook it around your arm and pop it on your hip, and then you don't have to, like, just carry it by that weird little handle? Yeah, but I never did it, like... I never no, did it right anyway. I learned it way too late, and I was just, like, trying to explain it to people. And there's like, no one ever wants to do it. There's like, no, I'll just carry it like a bushel of apples that I'm upset about. <laughs> um, I do, like, again, his, his disguise is so bad because he's just, like, mean. <laughs> he's just like, what? So we, we got to, like, rob from the rob from the rich, and he'll just appear to, to give it to the poor. And it's just like, what? That doesn't. First of all, it doesn't make any sense. Second of all, why are you mad about this? What's going on? I love that both he's hanging out with Cruella so much. He also hates the woods. Because <laughs> she shows up immediately and she's like, oh, the woods. Why is everything happening in the woods? I just want to go back to the bar. I just need to go back to the bar. And there's bugs here and they live in my coats. I don't like it. Yeah, so... The moment that they come across Robin and the babe, the still unnamed baby, uh, James pulls out his underworld gun and fires it. And then Cruella shows up and Emma gets a magic cuff on her. How we have all these magic cuffs in the underworld is beyond me because Cora also has a magic cuff on. Just magic cuffs everywhere. I assume that those are like, I would say I think that they're Hades creations, but like, can't he just, he rules the underworld. Wouldn't he be able to just like zap you of your power? I just, I don't understand the flow of magic in this kind of place. Yeah, there's, and that's something I want to talk about more as we talk about the Hades storyline in this episode. But one of the ways I think they really beefed it in this season was they didn't have a bigger plan for Hades, like a big picture. Hades is a god. He needs a big picture. But he's just so aimless because they decided to, to focus on this love story thing, which is which is fine if you do it right, which they do not. But I, I'm just like every episode with Hades, I'm just hating him more and more. And it's such a bummer because I started out the season just being like, yeah, he's stupid and I'm having a great time. But now he's stupid and boring. Well, yeah, because he's just sort of plateaued. Like when you have something like, especially like a god, you have to give them. There's a reason all those like the Greek theology stuff, whenever they talk about how the gods treat people, they don't treat them like people. Like Hades is acting like a person, not a being that has existed for longer than you could possibly imagine in a world in which he had power that was unfathomable to the regular person. Like he should be treated like he's so he's like a micromanager, but like not in a 
Like, not in a fun way that you would think a god would be, I guess. I don't know. Because he should be, like, way more worried big picture-wise. Because his grand plan, I get. And I understand that we've explained that he's a little bit mad at his brother. Why don't we talk about the other brothers? Why don't we talk about more things and how we just... Like, I, I just wish Hades would not have human blinders, if that makes sense. That's what yeah. I'm trying to get at. He just he seems has, like a person. He has very human motivation. Like, I, It makes me think of the... Um, the Thor Love and Thunder, which, you know, mixed movie, had some highs, had some lows. Uh, but one of the highs was in the very beginning, you know, Christian Bale's character, you know, turns to the evils that he does because he is pious and lives this life of, you know, faithfulness to save his child. And then he comes across a bunch of a couple gods and is like, please heal my child. And the gods are just like, you're a speck. Why do I, why would I bother? Like, I don't have the time or the interest to help you. I'm busy frolicking. Goodbye. It's the same, it's my same complaint that I've had about, like, the Charmings and their ruling status. Like, they're not thinking about their world as a whole. They just keep thinking about individual people, which, once you get to a certain level in management, is not, you cannot think people-driven individually. You you cannot be working about you have to be thinking as everybody as a whole as a big family unit mm-hmm. and that's the same way with hades he should not know anybody's name the fact that he knows everybody's first last name and all of the stuff going on i don't think we gave hades enough to do <laughs> i think his kpis need to be revised yeah his year end review is going to be terrible <laughs> because he's making them himself and he he's making them himself and failing like <laughs> how does that even happen yeah don't set your own goals that you suck at well speaking of hades um one of the things he wants is um because his whole his whole mind is wrapped around zelina so he wants zelina's baby to be away from robin and back with zelina so that he can win her favor so that's what James and Cruella are doing. They're going to kidnap the baby and return it to Zelina and Hades uh, in exchange for Cruella, I guess, being released from the land of the dead. I don't think Cruella is thinking this through. This is not a good plan and it's not going to work well for her. But she's not ex- like she's a sociopath, but she's not um, the most long she does. She's not great at long term planning. She can do midterm planning. Like, she can, like, go a little bit beyond the immediate moment, but she can't lay, she, oh, my mic was about to fall down. (laughs) Your mic's just yeeting itself out, like, absolutely not. (laughs) How dare you besmirch Cruella in this this house? How dare you? Yes, your your mic's a big Victoria uh, Smurf effect, or what, I'm sorry, I I biffed her name. I apologize. Oh, Um, now my mic has unfinished business. Victoria Smurf it. I'm sorry. I completely just mumbled her name out um yeah especially this episode you would think that there was just no plan like at one point she's like behind some boxes like james no i'm sorry she was calling him jimmy jimmy (laughs) i want to call him jimmy oh how much do you think that name pissed him off (laughs) yeah but see you can't anymore because he's like super dead he's tormented forever because what happens is they get they corner them in the woods and then we cut and they're at the docks i want to know about this journey from the woods to the docks and why no one stopped at anything in between. Like, how did this happen? But so they're at the docks and 
uh, James is slowly, <laughs> slowly pushing Emma and Robin into the River of Lost Souls very slowly, very relishing in it, even though he does not know these people. You'd think he would just get it over done with. I did, side note, props to Cruella for punching him in the face. Love it. <laughs> she, she she know what to do. And but then David shows up, heroic, stay away from my daughter. They have a fist fight. Uh, the stunt work is very funny because you can definitely tell that for most of it, it's two completely different men because <laughs> the haircuts do not line up. They did some they did some bold wide shots with the back of a stunt double or stand in because like I'm not going to say Josh Dallas has a very distinct look but as someone who's been staring at this man for 5 seasons I know what the back of his head looks like so like at one point I thought he was talking to Robin he's like no what are we doing I'm like that's Robin's head it's, it's Sean McGuire. It's like, no, that's just the stand-in with a completely different hairline. Like, why did we go so far back? We just needed the shoulder. It, yeah. It, does, it doesn't work. Um, It's like when you see, like, an over-the-shoulder where the person is, like, still talking and you can see their jaw, but they've ADR'd a completely different yeah. conversation coming out. And you're just like, why did you do this? We know, like, six people saw this before it went out. Anyway, um, I would like to point out my favorite... Uh, part of this scene was Emma's karate hands. Because <laughs> she was like, Dad, I'll save you. And he's like, no, I got this. And she's like, oh. And puts her hands down like a few inches, but not quite. And it's such a strange little pose that she's doing. I don't know what the plan was. It doesn't look like her magic pose. She was at the ready. Her 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 magic underworld gun was cocked. and it, but But she kind of pulled it back a little bit. You know, to give to give David some space, to give Charming some space, to be the hero that we all need by murdering his own brother and throwing him into the river. And then uh, Cruella runs away, checks out, and the baby's just on a car, just in the whole middle of the whole scene, just chilling. I am envious of this baby. I love this whole like day with dad thing that this baby is having. Where it's just like, well, the baby's not crying. I will leave it on the trunk. I will leave. <laughs> just the baby's over here because I don't know. And and this, not to super generalize, but I do like I have noticed, um, men will a lot of the times with their children give them a lot bigger of a radius. They'll be like, I will go so much farther. When in fact, I a lot of the times am just like, if I can't physically touch my child, I'm too far. Yeah, like especially <laughs> at that age. If I can't physically touch a child, he's already gone. Yeah, exactly. It's too far. I can't do anything. Like, we need to get Robin, like, a baby carrier or something. Um, Yeah, and I do love that this is fresh off the heels of Belle basically putting herself in a coma because of how distraught she was over putting a man in the River of Souls that was trying to kill both her and her husband. And David did it and kind of was just like... Because, again, David has killed people before. His remorse was, well, it was my brother. This wasn't the way for him to go. His remorse was not, I'm a hero. Snow and heroes do. He was just like, it's my brother. Which is fair. It's a fair remorse to have. Yeah, and, and, and Emma's like, oh, yeah, some people just never move on. I'm like, you don't know that. Cora was the most evil person on the planet. She did horrendous things over, like, a millennia. And she's over... 
off. She's over there at this very moment going to heaven. Everybody, like, if I thought the whole point of the season was everybody has a chance for redemption. Everyone has a chance to make their lives better. And some can choose not to. But, like, Gaston and James got the choice taken away from them by getting thrown in the river of lost souls. Literally, Cora's moment of growth happens in a split second. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's, oh, she's fine now. There, Rumple has come to some very nice enlightening conclusions before and then immediately turned back around. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we didn't give Cora enough time to, to realize that she has not actually changed. She's just having a manic moment. Um, deathbed confessional moment. Oh, yeah. Which I don't trust. And we'll get to how my feelings about that. But you're right. This this definitely has, like, a... I don't know how to say it without being wildly controversial. So I'll just say... If you're going to say something about everybody, it does still need to include everybody. So you can't just be like, I would like this to be the way I feel, but not about that guy or that guy or that person or those people. I hope they fall in a river of souls. Like, that's not how it works. That's not what being mm-hmm. a good person is. You don't have exclusions to this. This does take work. This yeah. is not a innate skill that people have and... And just while I'm on the conversation, because I, I like bringing it up, your first thought is your conditioned thought. You you don't have to think you're a bad person because your first thought was not the best thought. Um, you can work past that just while I'm on the topic. Anyway, just because we kicked a man into the river of souls doesn't mean it was the right choice. So we can feel bad about it. We can feel a little to. bit worse than David does, which is not very much at all. But, but- not as bad as Belle did. Yeah. There's a... There's a- <laughs> Oh, yes. And and of course, we get a weird scene with Rumple and Belle, and Belle's just lying there, and Gold just... Oh, God, I hated this he's, scene. Again, he's like gaslighting an unco- her when she's unconscious. Can he ever just stop gaslighting her? Because he's like, I know you want me to be a good person, but I'm not. I'm literally going to do the opposite of what you wanted me to do, because it's the best for you. I'm going to do the worst thing imaginable, which we'll get to... Because uh, that's an end of episode reveal. A reveal. I just, I just love that his speech was basically, hey, you dumb broad, you're not going to trick me into being good. I'm actually going to do the worst thing you could possibly think of. Yay! Yay! I will not be plied by your dramatic acts of being in a coma. I'm obsessed with, like, it. to be fair, it was the most rumple thing of rumple. I just didn't like how tender the conversation was. Yeah. I just and wish it would have not been at her. I wish it would have been like around, like near her maybe. Like put him somewhere else where he's like kind of looking at her, but Nike doesn't want to look at her because he is somewhat ashamed, but he's still going to rumple going to do what rumple going to do. Yeah. I, I would have liked also a bit more self doubt and a bit more uncertainty um, because that's a performance that Robert Carlyle can give, but like Rumple is just very one note right now. I'm sure part of that is because Robert Carlyle just stopped giving a shit. But what are you gonna do? Uh, let's go so ahead. Did the writers, but <laughs> yeah, let's get to the car for Hades and Zelina out on their hot date uh, with a, a song that they licensed, so they used it a couple of times. And I mean, it's a good song. I love the song. Uh, but I cannot hear it without thinking of Fallout 3 
um, because the announcement teaser used it. And it's, like, one of the most iconic, like, it's it's an incredibly iconic trailer because it starts on that song you hear, you see, like, a little radio, it starts playing, and then it slowly backs out, and you see the nuclear apocalypse. Mm. Yeah, it's good. But, so, like, Hades and Zelina, apocalyptic! Yeah! I... This whole scene was so funny because basically he's taking her on a date and he's like, I love you, girl. You're so great. You're so wonderful. Here are the plans that I have for you. You shall like them because I have given them to you. And she's just like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. His whole plan, first of all, he does his drop, his line drop of basically everyone's name is on the headstone now. So like no one's leaving. (laughs) No one in, no one out. And then he basically tells Zelina that he's going to leave them here and he's like, once they have true love's kiss or his heart starts beating or whatever happens, they're going to go live in Storybrooke. <laughs> like he's like, yeah, you can have it. I, at what point I, I just, I'm upset that Zelina never came to the conclusion herself that like, she shouldn't, be trying to do exactly or have all of the things that Regina has, she should be trying to do better. Like becoming the mayor of the town that Regina was a mayor of while mayors, uh, while Regina is trapped in the underworld. That's not winning. That's not being, that's not fulfilling your life goals and dreams. That's just being weird. Yeah. It's a strange goal. It also really like, holds Lena back I think it's a kind of an interesting thing story-wise because it we see in this episode in the flashback that Zelina is naturally way more powerful than Regina and and has an intuition for magic that Regina honestly never has like she does not have the intuition for magic that Zelina does and I I I, oh my god I completely lost my train of thought uh, what was I talking about, Abby? I was talking about Zelina, Zelina and magic, and it's great. And she dreams very small, and she doesn't have ambition or drive. That's, thank you. It's You're that welcome. she is, for all intents and purposes, a the, the superior sister, and there's so much more she could be doing, but she's so locked in to what she didn't have because of Regina. I think that Hades is... is just just because that's what she wants doesn't mean it's the right. I don't know how to word what I'm saying. Oh my god, my brain hurts, Abby. This no, episode, and I get my, that. My like, there's hurt. you can you can have those feelings of being like, I wish I had this person's life, but you also don't want it one to one. What's the movie where the person starts pretending to be the other woman and like? sleeps with the boyfriend like it's some like old 80s or 90s movie where like this girl is pretending to be another girl like she starts getting her hair cut the same way and starts dressing the same and tries to like just like uncanny valley herself into her life it's not the right term but something like that that's kind of what Zelina is like she's like I want that but could you imagine how miserable Zelina would be as just like the mayor like even Regina was tired of it Regina just the monotony but it was small time. Yeah, I kind of, a little part of me wishes like Zelina would look at him and be like, why did you make this town? I liked the castle. Why would I like a municipal town in Maine? Uh, there's a castle. 
Regina had the castle. I want that castle. Why can't we have the underworld be a castle? Seriously. I just, I do wish Zelina had that. Because she did the the Oz thing. And Oz is big. Oz mm-hmm. was a big, metropolitan, big, tall, shiny. And she had... Obviously, there's a lot of plates to spin when you are the uh, great and powerful Oz. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's like, yeah, we're going to do that. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. I'm so taken by all of this. And it's definitely not because of all of the weird underworld drinks you, you have given me. Yay. Yeah. Every single scene of them, there is so much alcohol. And the wine glasses are, like, filled to the brim. I don't know who was who was um, setting these, uh, doing the set dressing. Um, but uh, I have questions. I'm imagining they were just like, it was, it was either someone who was just like, it's funny if they're drinking a whole bunch or someone who doesn't know alcohol at all. Like just someone who's just never really been around it is kind of new to Hollywood. Just doing the whole thing. Hey, can you go fill up these wine glasses? I will fill them up and fill them up. Here we go. <laughs> All of them are filled. And then they're Mommy like, no, you only half fill them. And then the next scene, there's like a bunch of half filled beers. No, you fill the beers all the way up. Okay, well, pick one. <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> one thing I want to know from the Wikipedia, because I'm looking at it just to kind of keep track of progress, uh, is that it, it says that Hades asks her to be his partner in chaos. I don't remember that line. And then in parentheses, it writes a modified version of a wedding proposal. I feel like that's a leap uh, in logic. Yeah. I, I mean, think, I don't think he was proposing to her. I think he was just saying a stupid line. Yeah. When you, when you are like kind of, you, you've had a few and you tell your one friend, you're like, you're my partner in crime. That is not a proposal. Yeah. That's just like giving each other cool nicknames that you can post about on Facebook. Like, this is my partner in crime. Her name is Jessica. We got up to some wild stuff. And the wild stuff in question, happy hour at Applebee's. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So, Regina is spying. So, she sees all of this because she's got a magic mirror. She's spying on her. She got her geolocated. She's she's watching through the cams. Basically confronts Regi- uh, Zelina and is like, hey, no, this isn't good for you. It's not good for him. It's not good for us. Uh, this isn't going to work. And Zelina uh, throws a fit about it because anytime anyone tells you not to do stuff, you're obviously going to throw a fit about it. But Zelina also has a lot of baggage to unpack out of this. And so she spews a bunch of lines. It's basically the stuff she's been saying since she's been introduced. So it's whatever. She also says that she can fix him and I wanted to die. Listen, apparently if you get within five feet of Belle, you start trying to fix every man you come in contact with. (laughs) For at least a couple of days. I'm sure it wears off when you're just like, this is a terrible plan. Like, we, mm-hmm. you don't fix people. We don't fix people. I know I've preached about this, but we don't fix people. We let them go on their own journeys. Um, but Regina's like, you cannot fix him. That is an insane thing to say. I'm going to go find my mom so that we can fix you. <laughs> <laughs> and where where is Cora? What's well, she up to? So Regina goes back to the loft where everyone's met up. And she's like, I'm going to save Zelina. I'm going to go save Cora. 
And Hook's like, no, this is a terrible plan. Let's kill her instead. She's like, no, let's do something else. And he's like, fine. All your plans are dumb if it's not killing her. But then we use Hook, which is funny. And so Cora is being the Miller's daughter, laboring, Sisyphus style. With the two guys in like fishing elf who are these <laughs> like black guys? ops like what is this these are two guys that didn't make the boat with liam oh. and they're so mad about they're it they're so pissed they're yeah. like spidey sense of i've been saved went off but like once they left they were gone so now they're extra mad and so she's like moving stalks of wheat and she's just love that she picks it up and she sees the hook and then she turns to kind of hide it but then immediately pulls it out and pulls her cuff off. Like, I don't know why the pantomime would go, oh, it's like, no, it just, so she, take, she pulls out Hook's hook. It has been removed from his persons and put in this for her. She removes her magic cuff. Then like these weird lines that I didn't understand where he was like, where'd you get that? And she's like, <laughs> I have an idea. Let's see if it worked. You've removed the cuff. Of course it worked. I don't know what that line was. So then she just like sonic blasts them down and then she starts walking and then hooks there. And she was like, Oh, I figured it was you. It's his hook. It is fully his hook. I think we need to give Cora a little benefit of the doubt, a little, a little wiggle room uh, because she has been um, suffering as the Miller's daughter for a couple of days. And so she got rusty. Like her, her cylinders are not all firing because she's been brought to her lowest point. So her 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 sassy comebacks, she needs some time to 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 warm them up again. I counterpoint, <laughs> manual labor will really it's 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 similar to standing in the shower. You're just doing the same tasks and have and the only thing keeping you held on to sanity are your quirky comebacks. Okay. Well, if Emma comes back and saves me, I'm going to tell her she looks like a plucked chicken. I don't know what it means, but I'll work on it for the next 12 hours while I'm here. <laughs> like it's, but if, if it's only been a couple of days, although again, we don't, he banished her to the Miller's daughter thing a long time ago because aren't we meant to believe that they've been in the underworld for quite some time now? That is true because they did become regulars at the underworld granny's diner. Yeah. And, and it's like they've been here for like a couple of weeks. So so maybe, maybe she's probably, I don't know, again, ambition-wise, she should have been like running that mill, honestly. But anyway, she, she makes a comment about him being the fairy godmother, and he's like, I've never been called that before. And it's like, all right, it's whatever. So then Regina shows up, and she's like, we have to go save Zelina. She thinks she's in love with Hades, and, and she can fix him. Gore's like, got it. I know exactly what we should do. I'm going to go to a river, uh, and we're going to get some memory potions. I So here's my question about memory potions. Do you then have to do an extra thing to make sure it's the thing that they're forgetting? Because if you just drink stuff, like, aren't you forgetting everything? Yeah, it was, yeah that's actually kind of what I was wondering, too. It's like, did she enchant it to be about a specific time frame or specific person? Like, I feel like this would... It's like kind of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I feel like this would like really mess up your brain because Hades 
as brief as their time was together, it was one bike ride. You know, he had he he's had a place in her mind for a long time. That would that would but, really screw up her memories. But if we're if we if we fully pull Hades out of like if we eternally sh- sunshine him, I could see that, but that would take enchantment. But if it's just we pour and we give and we hope we've given her the right dosage to get her memory erased to Thursday. Like to fully pull Hades from her brain that way, that's a bunch, and that's yeah. a long time. Like, she'd forget she had a kid. She'd forget she'd exacted revenge on anybody. Let's just pull her all the way back until she only has the memories of being, like, 13. Cora comes back. We heal her inner child. Then we undo everything. And th- a very advanced form of ther- therapy, like gorilla memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> so... We get the thing this whole time. Cora is having like invasive thoughts about the last time she memory cursed these two. Cause she would just like be doing stuff. Regina would ask her a question and then Cora would just like say one line and then look up into the middle distance and then have a five minute memory. I thought it was funny. It was, it's nice. I like how they cut it, but I just thought it was funny the whole time. She is just struggling with this four minute memory. <laughs> So she heads over to uh, see Zelina to have a a touching mother-daughter reunion to air out all the dirty laundry, and it's 100% sincere, and Cora doesn't have any ulterior motives at all as Regina sneaks, sneaks, sneaks in the background. I just love how how much sneaking you going to do in those heels, girl. She sneaks. She pours something into into the thing. Of course, it's water, so like... I was anticipating some sort of Princess Bride switcheroo. I don't know how make, that would have played out Cora at all. Make Cora forget? <laughs> yeah, make Cora forget. Cor- what did Cora forget? I don't know. She forgot that she was a shithead. I don't know. And then I just like Zelina's like mic drop moment. She's like, oh my God, I love all of this. Thank you so much. I just wish you weren't trying to poison me. Oh, I know everything. I have ring cameras all through this house. And then, like, Regina comes in and be like, you are ungrateful. How dare you drink the memory potion? We are trying to fix you. And then they just start screaming at each other to the point where they're about to fireball each other. This whole time, like, they're having a sisterly fight. A very good sisterly fight. I'll give them that. Because it's just them yelling at each other and neither one of them is really listening. And they're just escalating to violence. You know, like (laughs) sisters do. And Cora is just, like... Again, staring off into the middle distance, going, oh, my God, is this all my fault? Like, she's finally having that crystallizing moment of, oh, I've irreparably harmed these two strong, powerful women. Yeah. Oh. Damn. So two things I want to note here. Uh, One is... The actress that plays Cora is is beautiful and incredible. I don't like her having down hair in front of her face. Like, she looks so much better when her hair is, like, back a bit. And, like, especially when it's in an updo. Like, she just mm-hmm. looks flawless. Like, her hair kind of keeps kind of coming out in front of her face. And I'm like, no, I want to see every expression. I want to see every moment. Because you are, you are pure ham and I live for it. Well, she's uh, got very big expressive eyes that were, mm-hmm. and you're right. Her hair was almost starting to kind of take that away yeah and so yeah i hear you and then the other thing is like the the sister fight while it was good i do feel like it showed 
some of the weaknesses in Rebecca's performance versus Lana. Because one thing I've noticed about Rebecca Mayer's performance of Zelina in these more, let's say, intimate moments is she doesn't have her. She, she kind of jumps from like zero to 60. She's either quiet and menacing or sarcastic or screaming her head off. She just she just goes back and forth so much. She doesn't have levels the way that Lana Perilla does. Lana Perilla can escalate and and Rebecca Mayer doesn't doesn't seem to be able to do that. It feels like she's in like a a high school play and every time like she's she's throwing a glass on the ground every time. <laughs> and they're just like, "God, stop it." She's it's not that she's it's not, not that serious. We're talking about laundry. <laughs> She's the desperate housewife that is constantly throwing her martinis. Oh, oh my she god. Is. Oh my god. Like, to the point where the producers have to ask her to stop because they're yeah. like, this doesn't serve a narrative purpose anymore. Yeah, exactly. And you're ruining our cameras. Exactly. Please stop throwing You've now thrown martinis on three of the cameramen. We're having a we're having their staged a walkout. Even the scabs won't come in. Like we cannot film the show if you continue doing this. And then she throws a martini in that guy's face. Um, (laughs) And then he leaves. Uh, Yeah, so Cora then has her crystallizing moment of, and we'll talk about the memory she had because it was, but basically she has a moment and it's, it's nice because then she has this very touching, but again, deathbed confessional conversation Mm -hmm. that you only have with people you know you're never going to see again. Like, you can do this stuff if you know that you never have to answer for it or show your character development. So, like, while I enjoy how this worked, much like the James uh, switcheroo, I wish it had been longer. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, a little more earned. Like, your redemption arc cannot be the span of about five seconds and you went, when you went, oh, I am a shithead. Because yeah, maybe, maybe over the course of like, you know, the episodes that we've had, maybe every once in a while they cut to Cora suffering and staring off into the middle distance for a moment and having a flashback in her mind that we can't see, but we can imagine. And it's a flashback of this moment. <laughs> I just, I, and talking about the manual labor thing, when you have a lot of time to think, I mean, that would have been the better plan. Hey, mm. we've saved her. And she's sassy when she talks to Hook. And then it's Regina being like, we need to save her. And Cora goes, oh, okay. But then when you get there, she does like a bait and switch where she's like, I'm not going to do what you said, Regina. Like, I've I've trained you to be this way. I, it's not correct. I've made so many mistakes. Like, all of it just comes pouring out of her because she's had enough time to think. She's not been scheming. Her brain, ha- her brain space has been, has been like... Uh, evicted like or uh what's what word am i looking for her brain space has been alleviated from all of her scheming because when Mm -hmm. you're doing manual labor you only have you only have a couple of thoughts do that labor drink water (laughs) do that drink water so like i would i think i would have preferred that because that's more of a i've come to this a while ago i've been thinking about it for a long time Mm -hmm. and i'm going to own up to it and i'm going to show it not five minutes ago i had you dipping a vial into a river and we were definitely going to do this. And then I changed my mind because I realized it wasn't the best plan. 
Well, yeah, she didn't even change her mind. Just, you know, Zelina caught her. But I would yeah. have liked that if, like, maybe she came inside and Cora went, it's okay, Regina, you can come out. And then be like, I'm not. And then, yeah, and then having a moment of realization of trust, being like, I'm not going to do that to you. Because in the end, Cora deciding to erase Zelina's memories and then only feeling bad about it once Zelina caught her shows that she hasn't actually changed all that much. She's still doing really awful. She's still willing to do bad things to her kids in what she, for what she thinks is best. Yeah, I it was a it's that uh, what's the phrase? You're not sorry you did it. You're sorry you got caught. Mm. But then she has these nice little moments with Regina and Cora. Be like, I love you so much. And she's like, hey, guys, there was a point where you guys were like soups close for a day because that's a theme around here. (laughs) You were real close for a day. Very traumatic what happened at the end of it. But you don't remember. Do you want to remember? Let's all hold hands guarding the galaxy style. uh, And we are going to no magical effects of any sort. Just we're all going to close our eyes like Mm -hmm. we're saying grace at your friend's house. And you're just like, that's my favorite thing Zelina does. Zelina does that thing where you're saying grace at a table at a friend's house that you don't normally do. Oh, we're all holding hands. Oh, oh, we close our eyes. Okay, okay, okay. Are we all? Okay. Mm. (laughs) I feel like they'd run out of like production money for special effects by this point because this episode had like none of them. I know. They were just like, (laughs) no, yeah, they were just like, uh, we're just going to. No, we're literally going to put a bag over a woman's head later. So like, no man. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so let's go ahead and flash back to oh, many years ago. Let's not be specific. We don't need to bother with that. Nah. Uh, and then we have a young Regina, little, little girl Regina played by Ava Akers. And she's got a creepy ass doll. So it is very Regina. <laughs> oh, I love her creepy doll. It's definitely haunted. And I was waiting mm-hmm. for, like, that to come into play for some reason. Like, when she got the wand out, she's like, you'll be my sister. I'm like, I can't wait for the, like, nearly headless ghost that lives in this doll to come out and just torture them. <laughs> or, like, young Zelina gets put into the doll. And we have, yeah. like, a, we have a whole, like, what we didn't do in the shadow situation where you have this living doll. And it's hanging out and has opinions. Yeah, it was Zelina, it was it was Cora being like, listen, her her foster dad was a drunk. He's trying to dry out right now, but the mom is gone. So like, I had to put her in this doll for a little while. I don't. And then Regina found it. I don't know. I don't know. She seems to be having a good time, but it's probably not the best plan. Yeah, because basically, Cora Regina wants to play. Cora's like, hell no, I'm busy. Also, everybody you everybody you love will betray you, including me. So don't even bother caring. Okay, bye. I'll see you at dinner. And Regina finds uh, the magic wand, lifts it up like Harry Potter in the bookstore. You're a wizard, Regina, because because blood magic opens up the thing. And she tries to use it to turn her doll into a sister, but it backfires. And, oh, no, she's been knocked unconscious and she might die. And Cora's like, no, my one hope and dream for the future. I must fix this. I'm going to confusingly explain why I can't use it to fix her. No, the thing that did the harm can't fix her. So, like, the wand won't work. I I don't remember this being a rule. This but was a right. very, yeah. This was this was a very strange um, 
It's like it had to be blood magic, but it couldn't be Korra's because Korra was tied to the wand. It it was all an excuse to bring in Zelina from Oz. Well, it's a good rule so you don't have like any like chaos people walking around and be like, ha damage. Okay, I'll heal you. It damage. Okay, I'll heal you. That's it's not okay. Uh yeah, we're we're gonna go find we're gonna go conveniently immediately find Selena. Yes, uh, because Henry and Henry gives Cora a weird look for a moment. And Cora's like, "I have a solution." He's like, "Um, um," and he, you can see like the the the, the uh, gears turn in his head, but then he stops and just stops caring. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had that moment where he's like, "Is this a fight I want to have?" Yeah, no, no. Uh-uh. Nah, blissful ignorance for me. Yay! Yay! And so Korra goes to Oz uh, through one of the many magic portals that she automatically has and has access to and knows about. Don't even worry about it. And Zelina is uh, uh, restacking the logs and she uses magic to do so. And it's like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. She's got so many powers and Korra barely flinches. And then the dad comes outside and I hated this so much because I remember when they found Zelina as a baby, they just seemed like normal people. But also, like, we knew Zelina's dad sucked. That's true. He did suck. Because I forgot he, about that. Because he would, that. like, get real drunk and make her shave him. <gasps> I forgot about that weirdness. Yeah. No, yeah, no, this dad sucked. We knew we knew that he sucked after the mom left. Like he he succumbed to his alcoholism and he was a violent angry man. He so. freaking got a switch. Yeah, he went out and he got a switch. I'm mad that she used mu- magic because it's lazy. Well, he also said it was wicked. Like she's also wicked. wicked. Yeah, it's it's like a wicked. whole theme. It's wicked. Me, it's wicked. You should be picking up these logs by yourself, hand by hand, not me. I've been drinking inside for the last forty-five minutes. <laughs> but just as he is about to um, start committing horrible acts of violence against his child, Cora shows up and freezes him in place. And I felt so bad for the actor in this scene. Because this was the worst position to have to pretend to be frozen in. Like, because he's in the background every time you see young Zelina talking. And he's in the back like, oh, my God. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh God. I have an itch. It's the worst. Oh, my God. Can we just stop, please? Like, the poor actor. I felt for him. It's got to be. It's got to be tough. Like, that's a tough position to be holding. Muscles just start shaking. You can't do anything about it. You've been standing there for a while. With, I don't know anything about this actress. I would just assume that, like, she's a little bit newer, so maybe had, like, a couple of extra takes, and it was just like, ah! uh But, yeah, Cora is there to be like, hey, I have a super, like, I'm from the bush over there. I have a cool super secret mission, and I think your magic is super awesome. Do you yes. want to go use it to be super awesome? And it's going to prove to your dad bush? that you're super awesome. It's going to be amazing, and you'll definitely remember it tomorrow. (laughs) So Cora takes young Zelina over to uh, Regina, who is lying unconscious in the bed. And uh, even though Cora starts pulling out spell books, I'm like, this is very complicated. It's difficult. It's going to take you some time. Uh, Zelina just starts doing it. She's just like, I heal you. I heal you with my green. I I have the power. Look at me. I am so strong. 
I I did like this because I did like the implication that she might be more powerful than Korra with the correct training. Which I kind of wonder if that's like, because the first time I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. I wonder if Korra is really, is thinking that she picked the wrong child. Is she going to try and do something to like do some switcheroo? But I think the point you make is really interesting. Korra wouldn't want someone who could outshine her no, or who could yes. defeat her in a battle. Yes, we prop somebody up who is weaker just in case, but we mm. are going to shine this person because it's not about being powerful to hold that position. Because Cora has that very Cersei Lannister thing about her where she's just like, power is power. Mm-hmm. You know, I will find it where I need to find it. And I will, I will groom people into having that power. But I cannot, there is a point where the student becomes the master that Cora would not face. Cora would never deal with the student becoming the teacher. <laughs> Ever. No, because like even when Regina was at her most powerful, Cora was still like, you don't hold a candle. And she didn't. But Zelina at her most powerful, 100% would. But I don't Cora would also probably this... just be like, no, I'm not impressed. Mm. I kind of have to wonder if Zelina has reached her full power. I don't think she, re- I honestly don't think she ever really does. I think there's so much more she could do that we don't see. I think, I think she's, I'm not going to say as powerful or, or not as powerful. No, no, no. I don't think Emma is more powerful than Zelina, but I do think that it's a similar problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, no, I have magic. I've learned this much. I, I, I'm good with what I've learned. Mm-hmm. But like Emma specifically, obviously doesn't have the drive to focus it into becoming more powerful in any way. She's just like, no, these are the good weapons that I have. I don't think Zelina th- has ever been encouraged to think that there's more. Because mm-hmm. everyone around her, like, she's already ahead of people around her. So, like, why would you learn more? So, it's just a gifted child who reached their plateau. But their plateau is actually a secret couple levels up. Now, wouldn't that have been interesting if part of her and Hades' story was about him being, you know, I, I don't want to do a surrogate father figure thing with Rumple because, ew, gross. <laughs> for multi- <laughs> But, like, you know, he's like... He sees the potential in her and and is like, I want to make, you know, basically, I want to make you my Persephone. I want to make you my goddess. Let's I want to uplift you into a a an otherworldly level of power. You could still have the romance and you could still have all of that, but then it gives Selena an extra incentive over I can fix him. Yeah, and it's it's also in an endearing uh, an endearing thing of being like, you know, it's the pickup artist thing. Then you teach them something, <laughs> and then, and then they bond with you. So you teach Zelina that she's more, and now you're the guy that supported her. You're the guy that gave her more. Like you're not just trying to fill like the weird petty place. You're giving her a bigger worldview, which I wish someone would do for her, because again, she's just very starved for attention. Mm-hmm. And that's very apparent for her. Um, and they never really play to that in a way that I think that they should because they want to redeem her. But, like, I feel like when they try to redeem her, they're it's the same way of trying to redeem Rumple. They're not redeeming the right thing. Yeah, because if they redeem the right thing, you lose a big part of what makes them an in, what made them interesting in the first place. Correct. We, we can't get rid of Zelina's sassiness. We can't get rid of Rumple's all-knowing, all-powerfulness. 
we would never show otherwise. Which, which, which only then feeds back into Rumpel's personal character of being like, well, without this, I'm nothing. Because the writers believe without that, he's nothing. <laughs> it's a very meta commentary. Right? So, uh, so Regina is healed. And before Zelina gets sent home, because you'd think she'd get sent home right away, because Cora's like, I'm done with you. Goodbye. But I guess Cora has to go take a nap or something. Or <laughs> she's, just... she's like, you guys can't have a play date. I guess. Well, apparently Regina was supposed to be in bed, but she got out of bed uh, so that her and Zelina can play. Apparently the actresses did their own makeup, which I think is super adorable. I'm obsessed with that. It looked so, it looked like two kids did their own makeup. That was yeah. amazing. It did. And they're playing, they're throwing, they're, and this is, they're throwing quote unquote spells at each other and having a good time. And then Cora comes in and is like, uh, Regina, this is stupid. I'm very disappointed in you. Um, I'm, 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 cu- I'm cutting all this off. Um, and then, and then Zelina gets dragged away, kicking and screaming. No, 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 and- no, 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 no. Oh, mm-hmm. not yet. No, mm-hmm. did you, did we, did we jump us part? Because Zelina opens the wand. Oh, you're right. Yes. And that's how they figure out they're sisters. Well, they, they figure out they're related. They're related, which is a nice lifeline for Cora. Cora could be like, oh, yes, you're cousins. But Cora's just like, no, you're sisters. And now I'm going to dramatically rip you apart. And I'm really glad we didn't have to watch them being force fed this memory potion. Because yeah. those girls were acting their asses off. Because yeah. it was just the moment they had grips on their like biceps to pull them apart, both of them were screaming like crazy. And I'm like, this is upsetting. Good job, guys. Like, I'm very no. upset right now. No, I thought the I thought the actresses did a great job in this scene. Yeah. And even though the dialogue was really hammy at times, like you have the final line of Re- young Regina is like, we're sisters. They can't keep us apart forever. I will find you. Like, it's so stupid. But I actually thought that the actress did a good job with it. Yeah. And as, you know, a woman with sisters, you know, who I grew up with, like, it, I felt it. I'm like, no, you can't keep us apart, damn it. I just... I'm just surprised, like, again, Cora's smarter than this. Literally earlier this afternoon, Regina was like, I wish I had a sister. Cora's like, yes, this is your sister. No, again, no, this is your first cousin. Like, is this something else? Like, but you can't be together because of um, magical magnetism. You'll die. I don't know. Just lie to the children and then be like, it's okay. Drink this and we'll be fine. And then we just, we don't scar anybody. You still lied to them. They'll never remember each other. Why did this have to happen? I just, it was such a wild escalation that I think Cora would have handled in a much cleaner, less traumatizing way. Maybe she was really in the mood for the drama that day. You know what? That's fair. Maybe she was like, oh, Regina wants a, wants a sister? Fine. I'll show her what being a sister's like. It's about just a lot of yelling. <laughs> just a lot of yelling. Well, I mean, it could also be Cora was trying to teach Regina a lesson before she wiped the memory because the whole thing earlier was that Regina wanted someone to play with. Regina wanted a companion. She wanted a sister. And Cora's like, hell no. What are you talking about? So I think maybe she was also trying to use it as like a life lesson for Regina and like testing her. And she failed. Stop testing her. Stop testing your children. Don't. It's not good. Yeah. It's not no. good for them. It's not good for you. It's not good for society. Based on most of the serial killer podcasts I've listened to, it never turns out well. 
Well, after we have that hand-holding moment of revelation, um, Cora has found peace. Thank goodness. And she's like, I'm going to go walk into fire and see if I get burned. I will say she did flinch a little at first, but she still went in with her chin up. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of her. Like, I don't know if I would have bravely walked into unclear circumstances as to whether I was about to go. I Listen, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see what Cora's heaven looked like. Because, you know, there's a ship for the pirate boys. And, like, we saw Olympus for Hercules and Meg. Where's Cora going? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we obviously they didn't show it because... I. What does Cora believe in? Mm. Where would Cora be the happiest? But like, wouldn't it have just been funny for like just like a really hard Christian moment? <laughs> just like, just, oh, Cora's going to Christian heaven. It's a crucifix. It's a crucifix. Jesus is personally welcoming welcoming her to heaven. You did it. Now, see, I I imagine Cora go, like going like the friggin' field of reeds or something, just like wandering in in a peaceful reeds forever. Yeah, like, she's she's she she worships worships Egyptian gods, and she's just, <laughs> she's just like yeah, reads heck yeah, yeah. Finally, finally, what this is what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> I'm a Miller's daughter. Cool. I hate I hate wheat, but reads yeah, what, we, what reads I can get down with. Yeah, just Cora's just being like, no one cared that I had celiacs. I hate wheat. <laughs> I hate flour. <laughs> this has been killing me slowly for many a decade. Um, but yeah, so she gets to move on. Uh, she did have nice touching moments with Regina and Zelina at the end. She's like, you were my unfinished business to Zelina and to, to Regina. She was just like, I never got to actually say goodbye to you, which is when just tears flooded my face. Mm -hmm. Uh, that stuff always gets me because, you know, you don't always get to say goodbye to people. And so it was just like, this is such a great moment. And then it was just like a flashlight of heaven. (laughs) started laughing but then that's curtain call for cora Mm -hmm. and she also had a sweet moment with zelina where she told her you know i never got to say hello which you know is touching but also you know a a problem of your own making lady uh but apparently that line was suggested to the writers by adam horowitz one of the showrunners and i think it was a good line i'm glad it was included because i think it works in that scene it's pretty hard to um humanize Cora in this last yeah. moments as given how much damage she has done to these women. So I agree for whatever reason though, this conversation and you saying humanizing Cora has invoked, have you watched Dr. Who like the 11th doctor specifically Beth? Yes. Did you, did you? Okay. Because it invoked in my brain when the TARDIS became a woman. <laughs> and she looked like Helena Baum Carter. And the line that I just literally thinking about it right now is just making me a little bit weepy because I love it. Where she's like, I'm trying to think of a word. It's a big word. It's a scary word. It's a complicated word. And she goes, hello. And then like disappears into the ether because she never got to say hello to him. He just like got in and left. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I love the episode so much. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought about. I never got to say hello to you. Oh my God. It's a good line. Maybe it was the same time. I should check the timelines. Maybe he's just like ripping off, ripping off, uh, BBC. Like we're not watching it. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then after Cora goes to heaven, Regina turns to Zelina and is like, girl, go fix him. It's okay. I'm like, what? Man. What? Regina, what? No. I'm sinking we all into learned my chair. the wrong lesson. I'm sinking into my chair. Help me. Beth was so upset by this guy. She's simply gone to the floor. She. I don't know if I'm on camera anymore. All I see are her eyeballs and a little tuft of hair. Like she just she declared that and then like went two feet down. She's just gone. She's like, go fix your man. Her chair gave up. Her chair gave up. Like absolutely not. I'm done talking about this. Your your microphone is super into Cruella Deville. Your chair is anti fixing men. Um. So yeah. So Zelina's like, all right, I am gonna go fix him. And Hades has another romantic date set up at Underworld Granny's. He is the lord of the underworld. He has other places. I love how full Storybrooke he's gone. I need to make a romantic dinner for my woman. I know. Granny's. (laughs) It's just, that's what you do. You go to Storybrooke and if you want to have a good meal, you always somehow end up at Granny's. You just end up there. Which is fine. It eventually evolves. I think in season, oh, it might be season six. But it, isn't it one point they just mentioned, yeah, Granny's has Poke Bowls now. Yes. I think about that all the time. It's just like, you want meatloaf? I also have Poke Bowls. Um, <laughs> Storybook gentrifies. And so Zelina goes in there and she's like looking at him through the window. And it's a very rom-com moment where she was like, that's my man. I'm going to go fix him. But lo and behold... Rumple and his dad show <laughs> this whole scene was strange like it was just like <laughs> I like the acting on Zelina's face here because she did this cool thing that I don't even know how to explain but it's like this weird thing people can do with their eyebrows and their hairline where they've made a realization and their like forehead relaxes and everything kind of moves. oh yeah they're like Oh, yeah. shit. Like, their face was in one situation, and now it's in another. It's such a strange thing, but it, sh- he's like, yeah, I brought this guy. She's like, okay, who's this guy? Because this guy looks like he weighs 85 pounds soaking wet. Why am I afraid? And he goes, oh, this is my dad. He's Peter Pan. And then she does the thing with her face, like, oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, I heard you're bad. I heard you're wicked. I'm worse. And then, like... 80s movie abducts her with a bag over her head. <laughs> with a freaking bag. <laughs> she can't yes. escape a bag over her head? I don't understand this. She has magic. Oh, f- yeah. But uh, apparently she's been felled by a bag. It's a magic cuff bag. It's just full of magic cuffs. <laughs> it's made out of magic cuffs. What is this bag's... What if this bag's unfinished business was to kidnap a person? So then, like, he immediately kidnaps her, and then it just... It is disappears. Into baggy heaven. <laughs> Nothing can get done in the underworld because everything there has unfinished business. Damn it. (laughs) Plates disappearing with food on them. Like traffic lights, you know, disappearing the moment they they have a green light. I've done it. I brought the cars through safely. I've accomplished my task. I mean, honestly, let's just drill down further. I'm surprised there's there's any buildings still standing. All of these bricks being like, I did it. I'm a building. (laughs) The grass, the grass, like, or the ground, like, it's 
I've I've been I'm ground. I got, and then everyone just falls for eternity. You imagine you're just like walking along and there's just constantly little tiny like there's worms just ascending to worm heaven around <laughs> you as they've completed some sort of worm. Beth, you and I both need to go to bed. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I, I'm taking from this conversation. I did have one more question, though, before we wrap up. Uh, because yes. Zelina mentions a thing about, like, gold not being able to harm her. And then he found a loophole. It's Peter Pan. Can you do you remember what that's about? Because I, I can't remember for the life of me what that was about. I think she commands him with the dagger that she he can never harm her. If I'm remembering correctly, I will double check because I also had the same thought. And that's what came to my mind. And of course, I like watched it right before we started recording, so I didn't have time to look it up. But that's what I believe the loophole is, is that you he cannot do direct harm to her. And I think we might have mentioned it when she said it. Be like, you can't do harm. And I'm like, I'm, he's just going to find someone else to beat the hell out of her. Um, I think that's what it is. Okay. Well, but you'd think that like the moment Rumple got his dagger back, he'd be like, I undo it. Like he could do if, that, right? I don't know if that's how it works. Because the dagger is his curse. That's the curse he bears. So, like, if someone commands you to do something, you don't, you can't undo it once you get the dagger back. Well, then why wouldn't, like, Belle, like, or something hold the dagger up at one point and be like, Rumple, you cannot do harm to anyone ever again, and you cannot tell anybody to harm anyone ever again. And, like, and then Rumple's just, or, like, Rumple, you must stand in place for eternity and never move a muscle as long as you live. And he's just like frozen there, trying not to move like the poor the poor actor who played Selena's dad. Oh, forever. Poor Selena's dad. Can't, no, you like, take the dagger and you're just like, I command you to give me the possession of the dagger for the rest of my natural born life. And then now yeah. he can't swap it. He can't do anything with it. Yeah, or Rumple, I command you to never be able to hold this dagger. Rumple, I command you to be a decent husband. <laughs> Now, now, there's only there's only so much the dagger can do. <laughs> the dagger retires. <laughs> no, yeah, Bye. girl, now, no. Now the dagger's got unfinished business. <laughs> the dagger's like, I'm going to the underworld. I can do way more down there. Let's go. Well, everybody, that was season five, episode nineteen, <laughs> sisters. I so I I thought this episode was going to be better than it was. But it also wasn't bad, so I have mixed feelings. Yeah, I do. I think I started off on the wrong foot because the date that Zelina and Hades had is all he did was do that whisper thing. And I I listened to the episode with AirPods in. It's just a deeply uncomfortable experience. It's like he's whispering in my ear and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. But like, I also, for whatever reason, I thought that they were like in that cabin, the three of them. For much longer like my memory was like it was like an episode long thing I don't know why I just had this memory of it being a bigger arc and they hashed out a lot more things neither yeah. of which are true so I had a distinct memory of like them putting clothes out on the line and like living their lives as like a family, like a mother and two daughters. Like I had these weird memories of like that happening, but that's not accurate because that's not happening here. And now Cora is in heaven. So I, I, I just want to say, I appreciate the fact that I'm pretty sure that 
we girl boss so hard in the first round of this of us talking about like what we thought should happen that I think we might have embedded it into our own brains. Because, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think it was just like, wouldn't it have been cool if it was this? And then we forgot the other thing and just thought about the cool thing. Yeah, like with the whole David James thing. They did switch. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted it to be a lot cooler. And in my mind, it was. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was just saying. I think, we, I think we just, we fanfictioned ourselves into forgetting what canon was, which 10 out of 10 oh is my, my favorite. Abby's fanfiction corner has become self-aware. It's, it's, it's the, there's such a great episode of Bob's Burgers where they talk about like My Little Pony, but it's like some Bob's Burgers version of My Little Pony. Uh And like Bob is trying to like get a pony. So like he embeds himself in the brony community and he goes through and reads all of Tina's My Little Pony stuff, but he also read several of her fan fictions. So then he goes and he's like at this brony convention, he starts talking about a bunch of non-canonical stuff and they figure it out they're like oh my god he's not part of the community and it's just her screaming non-canonical non-canonical <laughs> such a it's such a stellar episode and dunking episode. on bronies so hard oh such a good episode anyway anyway well everybody we want to thank you for joining us for this latest episode of once upon a timing You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA Timing. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash OUA Timing and join our wonderful community of patrons, especially our Swan Queen patrons that are $5 or more per month. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Patrick Stevens. Patrick, thank you so much for supporting us. And Abby, thank you so much for joining us for another fantabulous week of Once Upon a Time. Always great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll be back next week with Season 5, Episode 20, Firebird. Episode 20? Yeah. We're getting getting near, I believe we're getting near the end of this, I think next, like, we have 20 and 21 and i think that's season five. Oh my gosh or do we have yeah because only you i think it oh no only you oh Abby, i just fast forwarded to only you and i just saw the picture on wikipedia of our heroes in a cage and hide is there guys it's happening sam whitmer's coming Spring is arriving. I'm, <laughs> the sun is coming out. My seasonal depression is ending. I'm so happy. <laughs> this, guys, this is the best. I'm so excited. Hooray. So thank you everyone for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>